Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky will address Canadian Parliament this week. I spoke with President Zelensky and highlighted once again the strength and determination of the Ukrainian people and told him that Canada will soon be sending highly specialized equipment to them and invited him to address Parliament in Canada. The debate continues over what further steps Canada should be taking as the conflict in Ukraine persists. The reality is that this is an evolving situation and as Defence Minister we are engaged across the NATO alliance to ensure that we are acting in a coordinated fashion. I am travelling to Brussels next week for the very purpose of discussing the situation in Ukraine and the NATO response. And Patrick Brown makes his run for the Conservative leadership official, while Peter McKay rules out a bid. I will not be a candidate in 2022. I, uh, I know that it takes an enormous commitment to take on the demands of leadership and I admire those who are willing to step forward and to serve our country in that fashion. I will of course continue to support our interim leader Candace Bergen and be there to support the eventual winner of the contest in September. It's Monday, March 14th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Mark. Let's start with the fact that tomorrow we're expecting the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, to speak to a joint session of Canadian Parliament. He's going to do it virtually, but this is kind of a, a historic moment, and obviously he'll be making his case on a, on a number of issues. He's looking for support from the international community as Ukraine continues to fight off this Russian invasion. Uh, right. So what, what do you expect from, from this address to both the House of Commons and the Senate tomorrow? Well, the whole situation, the crisis is moving so quickly. Uh, you know, not, uh, you know, the, the steady advance of uh, the Russians in, into Ukraine, but uh, just on a number of different levels. And I think it's, it's such a compelling um, story, uh, the way the, the Ukrainian president has been dealing with this, uh, you know, he's, he's sort of an unlikely hero that, you know, is a comic actor who's now the president of Ukraine. And these images of him speaking to, you know, uh, different parliaments around the world and legislators from, from a location in Kiev where he's, you know, he, he's under attack and he's under siege and he's in the middle of a war uh, and to see him making these appeals to the international community, I, it, it just it's so compelling and something we just don't see. So uh, there's that aspect of it. Um, there's the expectations of uh, of the West and, and in particular, you know, NATO partners about how much more we can or should be doing for the the people of Ukraine as uh, they continue to face these attacks. We we now saw over the weekend attacks on on. Uh, you know, uh, you know, training facilities where Canadian uh, troops have been posted in the past to to help uh, defend Ukraine and to, and to prepare soldiers in Ukraine to defend themselves. And now we're seeing these attacks, which the Russians threatened to do, on essentially supplies of, you know, Western gear being shipped in to help the Ukrainians. So I'm I'm really wondering about where it goes next and how Canada is going to respond. We have the Minister of Defence accusing uh, Russia of committing war crimes. We have NATO saying 
enough's enough. Uh, he's got to stop threatening to protect every inch of NATO if there's incursions into NATO member territory. So uh, this crisis is ratcheting up, and I and I think uh, a lot of people will be hanging on the words of uh, Volodymyr Zelensky on uh, you know tomorrow uh, to get a sense of what more he expects from countries such as Canada. Yeah, and I think what you alluded to earlier was really interesting because uh, I know many people wondered how suited he was to this moment, um, but it, increasingly it's becoming a communications exercise. And as a as a former actor, perhaps he's incredibly well suited to the moment uh, from that perspective. Um, but what about that question you raise? Is there going to be pressure on Canada and other countries? And and will there be discussion within Parliament going forward now that the Prime Minister's back in Canada from his trip to Europe on uh, higher levels of help for Ukraine? Yeah, I mean, that, that conversation has continued. I mean, just on, on you know, Zelensky, Mark, I mean, we, we've seen through history, you know, you just never know where, you know, sort of bravery and leadership will be found until leaders are tested. And he's one of those leaders that, you know, you know, he... He, he sort of has managed to rally his own people because he hasn't left. He hasn't taken the option that many other leaders in the past have taken when their countries are uh, are attacked or invaded, and that's to find safety somewhere else. Uh, he hasn't done that, and I think that's what what you know uh, makes him so watchable. And and I think uh, you know uh, that's a, a different kind of leadership that we don't always see. To be clear, I mean the House is being recalled. Uh, from a two-week break, uh, constituency break, uh, to hear this virtual speech tomorrow. Uh, and then they'll be back, they'll be off again for the rest of the week. That's the plan. And then they don't return till next week. So, But that hasn't stopped the debate around what more Canada should be doing. We've heard from a number of different quarters in this country, uh, military experts, some of them saying, you know, that, yeah, we sh- NATO should have some kind of no-fly zone, whether it's a limited no-fly zone, uh, but there's no there's no agreement here, and, and in fact, I think most of the voices are on the other side saying this is just something NATO can't do. You know, if NATO were to impose a no-fly zone, uh, they're effectively engaging the Russians, and then where does the war go from there? And in all likelihood, they're concerned it it you know it it, it goes to the wider Europe, and who knows where from there. But you know, I, I we government officials have alluded to different ways they're looking at trying to help Ukraine and not clear to me on exactly what those are because the sanction route's been taken uh, and it's been ratcheted up and the supplies continue to pour into Ukraine, lethal and, and non-lethal. Um, so really the the big discussion is still around uh, at some point, you know, will, will there be nothing left except to watch Ukraine fall or have the West engage the Russians somehow? Yeah. Some very big decisions ahead. All right. Peter, let's turn to the conservative leadership race. Uh, There were some interesting developments over the weekend. As expected, Patrick Brown, the mayor of Brampton, the former Ontario progressive conservative leader and former federal MP, is now officially in the race. And already there's been a a video circulated by supporters of Pierre Poilievre talking about uh, his flip-flopping in the past, and there was already a video... Patrick Brown will say and do anything. Exactly. Yeah, and there was, of course, previously a video... Uh, questioning whether Jean Charest, one of the other candidates, is even a conservative. Um, so the attacks have begun, begun very early in this campaign. What do you see now as as this leadership race takes shape? And we know now, Alad, as well, that 
Peter McKay, who finished second last time, is not running this time around. Right. Uh, a couple of things I'd say. I mean, first of all, watching over the weekend, I thought, you know, Patrick Brown's uh, launch event, lots of people, uh, you know, a, a very um, you know, all-encompassing kind of speech, who I am, what I'm promising to do the party, where, you know, answering already questions around his support for carbon taxes and his opposition to Bill 21 in Quebec. So, you know, fairly thick with uh, already sort of policy ideas that he's putting out there. Uh, and I, I think in contrast, if if people believe that Patrick Brown is sort of the middle of the road, you know, candidate that's sort of a little more, you know, closer to the center, uh, you know, didn't, didn't uh, say specifically whether he would stand by his support for a carbon tax, that he's going to open that up to a conversation within the, within the party and within the caucus to see uh, what sort of environmental and, and carbon pricing policy they come down with after consultations. Um, but I contrast his sort of launch and, and policy ideas with the, the Jean Charest launch, which I think a lot of observers have looked at and said it was pretty flat, pretty weak. It didn't have a very good uh, social media presence. Makes you question who the, that you know how organized the team is behind Jean Charest, and they, I, I, you know, a lot of people think they have to get better uh, and get better quick if they want to make this a race. What you need to know about Patrick Brown, Mark, what our listeners need to know is that Patrick Brown won the leadership of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party because he had a team behind him that can sell memberships. And you and I have talked about this before. Winning a party leadership, winning a convention uh, for the party leadership is about selling memberships. And the person who can sell the most memberships and get those people to actually vote uh, for them in a leadership race are the people who end up winning. And I think that's what I'm really going to be watching for is the dynamics of Patrick Brown and, and his organizational and membership selling skills because that's what this will come down to versus that the, the, those same elements in the, in the Pierre Polyev campaign. Uh, Mr. Polyev's already got a lot of caucus support. I think it's up to 40 MPs now. A lot of those are Western MPs. They have lots of members in their ridings and presumably those members will be ready to support Pierre Polyev. Not all of them, uh, but if their MP says this is the way we ought to go, chances are a lot of them will will believe the same thing. So he probably has a big head start, but a lot of people will say who, who know conservative politics, don't underestimate Patrick Brown's skills to do the numbers, do the math, do the groundwork, and uh, sell a pile of memberships. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It, uh, it's being portrayed as a battle for the direction of the Conservative Party, but it's really a battle for who can sign up the most members. And Yeah, I mean, there's no direct, nobody gets to decide the direction unless they, you know, or, or have a big say in the direction unless they win the leadership. Yeah. So it all starts there. This is a numbers game, uh, pure and simple. Now, the debate around where the party's headed is clearly going to be important, and I think your point earlier, it's gotten nasty quickly and it's driven by one candidate. This seems to be the strategy of Pierre Poiliev is no matter who enters the race, bomb them right at the outset. Uh, tell everybody what you think is wrong with them. Uh, consolidate your own support and attack anybody who might be thinking about kicking the tires on another candidate's campaign. Uh, that seems to be his strategy. And so that, you know, and maybe in some ways that's going to be, uh, it's going to be healthy uh, as you know, counterintuitive as that sounds, it's going to force these issues that are, you know, plaguing the party out into the light of debate, uh, whether it's done in a nice way or a nasty way, uh, they're going to have to confront these issues so that, you know, they'll have a much better idea of what they stand for as a party and what they're actually going to be selling to Canadians in an election campaign. All right. 
Great insights. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Always great to talk to you, Mark. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. To all members of the Conservative Party, I will lead us to victory. I will grow a strong caucus by recruiting hardworking, principled, and diverse candidates in unheld seats. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Supriya Devetti argues the Conservative leadership race is a crucial opportunity for the party to define itself. Devetti writes... It's hard for any party to properly regroup after an election and grow its voter base. But it's especially hard for a party that can't even seem to agree what they stand for beyond a deep, visceral hatred of all things Justin Trudeau. This is arguably the most important leadership contest in the history of the party. You don't have to be a conservative voter or supporter to recognize that Canada is in need of a strong, robust conservative party, rather than the increasingly angry, reactionary, and populist party it now has. Let's hope whoever leads the conservatives next understands that. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun considers changes worth keeping in the new normal. The Sun writes... While we are glad to see the end of broad-based pandemic rules in Canada, we think most people would agree that there are some changes that are worth keeping around. One of the biggest ones is the new mantra, stay home if you're sick. Right now, it seems like a no-brainer, but it wasn't always the case. We hope employers will reflect on things they can do to ease the process. One other big change that has its long-term benefits is work from home. If it can be done, it makes sense to do it. In the Hamilton Spectator, Jay Goldberg argues the Trudeau government must resist a wealth tax. Goldberg writes, The Liberal government will likely have to win the support of the NDP to get a budget through a minority parliament and might be tempted to give the NDP its long-desired wealth tax in exchange for helping to keep the government in power. But caving on that would be a huge mistake. There will always be billionaires somewhere. Most of them can pick up and move in a heartbeat. The question then becomes one of practicality. If you can't get rid of billionaires globally, is it smart to chase entrepreneurs out of your country? Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in private meetings. Justice Minister David Lametti will make a funding announcement in Halifax. Minister of Mental Health and Addictions Carolyn Bennett will make an announcement about mental health and substance use services for Canadians. Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos will make an announcement about supporting sustainable communities across Quebec. Minister of Indigenous Services Patty Haidu will announce safety investments at the Thunder Bay International Airport. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra will announce new funding to help Pearson Airport in Toronto recover from the effects of the pandemic and to support air services and transportation infrastructure projects at the airport. And Tourism Minister Randy Boissonneau will make an announcement to support greater access to green spaces in the larger Edmonton region. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, March 14th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.